Hey, Stephen, how do you think I should start this? Like, it, there's that, like, if they're familiar with that anime show, it's going to be that, what's up, everybody? God, I didn't sound that annoying, did I? <laughs> Ah, and you sure they can't hear you? Awesome. Well, I guess for the first episode, hopefully of many of Obscure Chatter, we should just go, and uh, I guess we'll figure it out along the way. It's not like, you know, I started every episode with uh, what's up, everybody, knowing I was doing that until, like, year three. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what do you say we start uh, the first movie in our repertoire of a... Uh, wait, 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 wait. Did you hear that? Okay, you heard it too. So it... Why the fuck can't I say it? I Can they hear you? And they can't hear you. Are you guys amazed at the stellar acting job that I'm doing here? Steven, why don't you go ahead and start the movie, and maybe we'll explain what's going on. So, Obscure Chatter is um, in no way an explanation of what this new show, I, I, for what I hope it becomes, is... For those of you who, uh, oh god, I sound like Troy McClure. You may remember me from such podcasts as That Anime Show and nothing else. Uh, (laughs) But uh, if you're familiar with me, hello! Welcome back to the world of podcasting featuring me in my medium-range voice, depending on the role. And if you aren't, hi, I'm Terry Doty. Welcome to Obscure Chatter, uh, who is off mic and who you'll hear me constantly talking to, at least for this episode, is Mr. Stephen Hoff. He is my husband, my partner in crime and everything else. I really seriously at this rate cannot get rid of him after almost 13 years. And, um, well, starting a new podcast, as you may have noticed. And uh, what I meant by movie, of which you still can't hear for some reason, um... (laughs) <laughs> it's funny for some reason. What on sound like one of those parents? It's like, oh my goodness, where is the dog? It's a uh, no, the dog's just outside. It's it's not running away from you or anything like that. But the <laughs> the thing is, well, if you are familiar with that anime show, it should come as no surprise that I'm a big movie dork. Um, I love horror movies especially, but I love everything. There's a movie, just like a song, for every feeling, every emotion, every situation. There's a movie or a show, um, who knows, we might do shows down the line, that speaks to you. Or doesn't necessarily speaks to you. Sometimes a movie can be really sneaky and warm its way into your heart without realizing it. And I'm sorry for those of you that might have immediately conjured images of heartworms. That's on me. Um, But sometimes whenever you watch a movie with someone, whether or not you understand why you're doing it, it's almost kind of a test in a way. There have been instances where you're maybe dating someone new or making new friends, or 
God forbid, even that whole, oh my God, I can't believe you've never seen this movie. You have to see this movie, which I try to uh, very much limit. And for me personally, the easiest way to get me never to see something is to tell me I have to see it. You don't know me. Uh, Well, most people know me pretty well, actually, because I don't shut up. But this movie specifically, the one that I decided to start with, is near and dear to me for many reasons. One, I find it to just be a great film. And uh, two, there's, you know, the familial element. Uh, My father got me into this movie. He got me into a lot of the movies that I think I actually uh, hold um, very, very dear to me. Um, And that can work for a lot of different, uh, in a lot of different ways for those who don't know, which many do. Uh, I'm pretty open about it. Um, But my father passed away when I was 19 years old. And um, I had just recently reconnected with him. So that was hard for a variety of reasons. But um, the last summer I got to spend with him, which I'm very fortunate to have gotten, we, we went to the movies like every week for like a full summer. Um, the full summer of 2003. So there were movies that came out that aren't particularly great, but I find myself watching over and over because they make me think of, you know, um, things that happened on the way to the theater or um, just, you know, in the middle of the movie, like snickering with my dad or for uh, one of the instances, and that is... uh, Terminator 3, which is not a great film. It's not. But (laughs) I love it all the same because I distinctly remember being in this uh, South Texas. No, I was in West Texas. My father lived in South Texas, but his family lived in West near San Angelo and Cristobal. Um, But to go to a decent movie theater, you drove from Cristobal at the time, to San Angelo, like near Grand Central Station, to uh, go to a good movie theater like United Artists or something like that. And um, my dad kind of tried to overdo it with films. And he definitely, or like just, you know, showering me with like dorky snacks. And uh, uh, my go-to is Red Vine, as far as movie snacks go. And uh, they didn't have that, but they had Twizzlers, and we got popcorn and Diet Coke, which was a guilty pleasure of mine at the time. Now I don't even drink soda. But um, we'd gotten so much that we had both run out of hands to carry things. So people at one point were just kind of watching as we were trying to struggle and figure out how we were going to take all of this junk food into the theater. And my answer was to just, like, grab everything. So I was carrying two full loads of popcorn and drinks and and then you just see me like drooling on the side as I struggle to keep hold of a bag of Twizzlers between my teeth. And then that's when I realized my dad's carrying like nothing and he just let me carry everything. Um, So when I see Terminator 3, which I own, I don't even own Terminator 1 or 2 and 2 is a brilliant brilliant film. <laughs> uh, one's okay. But um, uh, but there are moments where I'm just like, hey, I want to watch T3 because it makes me remember that feeling, that that vibe, that fun. Uh, and of course, my dad loved the female Terminator because, you know, why wouldn't he? Uh, 
He thought ladies were very, very gorgeous. I saw a lot of horrible movies, Stephen, because my dad thought women were very, very attractive. And he was always very vocal about that. So I guess at, at least at, by 19, I got my fair share of, Dad, that's gross. <laughs> that's what your friend Kat did. Um, yeah, or there was another movie, actually, but uh, I digress. But what I'm getting at is there are movies that are special to you. Yes? Um, answer me, audience. Answer this recorded message, damn it. But uh, please don't answer me because uh, I'll just mute you. No, I won't. I'd like to answer everybody. Follow me, T-Totally, Twitter. Or don't. It's whatever. But um, there are movies that are very, very special to you. And when you show them to somebody, you are kind of, whether or not you mean to, showing a bit of who you really are or a bit of your heart in a way. And for this specific movie, um, something didn't particularly go well with this. Uh, I was dating someone and it was someone that... I think worked on paper. You know that you have those check marks that you would like, you know, who's your ideal mate and in my uh, in my like 19, 20-year-old head this particular man uh fit what I thought were all those check marks. And yeah, you didn't hear his name either. Ah, uh, why not? I'll be nice and not, you know, let people know who exactly I'm talking about. But if you know me, you do know who I'm talking about. Oh, editing is fun. But um, we were okay as a couple, but what I didn't realize until much, much later, well, until it was too late, was that um, we were both incredibly, we were too similar in a lot of ways, but we were both incredibly stubborn. That was a really big similarity. Um... And uh, I forget at what point, you know, we started doing this thing that I didn't realize I would do with other people I was dating or, you know, uh, other girlfriends, boyfriends. And um, I said, I really want to show you this movie. I love this movie. Um, and less than five minutes in, he's immediately started tearing it to pieces, talking about how stupid the effects are, that the actresses are ridiculous. Uh, um, it's a very heavily female film. That's all I'll tell you for now. And he just kind of destroyed it. But, and I'm hoping this wasn't his intention, I took every critique after those first five minutes very personally. And... I know I'm not alone there. And it can sound like, yeah, you're a little young, blah, 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 blah. I've got a much better, <laughs> like, gauge for whether or not someone's intentionally, like, trolling me and trying to start shit. And then whether, and then there are other times where just a movie doesn't speak to them the way that it does to me. And that's totally fine. Um, I do like having discussions about that. Like, my best friend and I, we actually read a lot of the same things. We watch a lot of the same films. But when we disagree on stuff, we can still talk about it with each other without one another getting hurt about, you know, her not liking a movie that I loved and vice versa. And the same goes for my husband. There are things that he really loves to read and watch and listen to that doesn't particularly thrill me and vice versa. Different experiences. But... That got me thinking, 
that any time that I've tried to watch this movie, I always go back to that. I always go back to tearing it apart. Um, and so, well, uh, after I finished the podcast, that anime show with Steven, as well as J. Michael Tatum as my co-host, uh, I had this idea for another show that was based on commentary. Uh, for those of you who do know what I do, I work in voiceover mostly. I get to write, direct, and voice act in a variety of things, mostly anime. So whenever I get to do things, sometimes we get to do commentaries. Not so much lately. I I honestly can't remember the last time I did a commentary. Um, I want to say it was for... Oy. Either Laughing Under the Clouds or Assassination Classroom, both of which were great commentaries, but both for commentaries that I've been a part of as an actor and some as a director, I found that the best commentaries are ones that don't particularly stick to uh, just kind of watching something along with you and going, oh, I remember that, or, oh, this was fun. Um, oh, amazing how that that scene turned out. Oh, great. And worth kind of hinting there, but the conversation between these people on the commentary track is equally fascinating. Although one of my favorite solo commentaries ever was probably Taika Waititi for Thor Ragnarok, but I'm just obsessed with Taika, so that probably has a lot to do with it. But uh, eventually it kind of became this marriage of those two things, which is my love of film as well as the love of commentary. So why edit things out? Well, rather than immediately put a bias on the kind of conversation we're going to have, because we all have our likes and dislikes, um, why not take out that part of it? So there's a safety in the edit because you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what show I'm referencing. So you're listening to me. You're not focusing on, Jesus, she's talking about this film? This film sucked. Um, <laughs> uh, you can focus on my conversation and find out that I personally suck. Or that, you know, maybe I kind of rock a little sometimes. We all have our moments. And that's kind of where it's all come about. Where, why, why not let a potential guest, which I'm hoping to have a bunch of creatives from the local uh, scene. Uh, again, for those of you who don't know, um, I am based in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas, North Texas, and um, it's a pretty great area. Great scene, lots of creatives, and most Texans are accustomed to driving, so who knows? Maybe we can hit up those awesome people in Austin and Houston and maybe even go back, you know, east, west, let's do this. And, well, I mean, it just kind of finally firmed up when both uh, my best friend and my husband were, we were having our weekly dinners, uh, which we try to get together. We try to get together at least once a week, but um, we've all been really busy. But one of the last times we hung out, uh, we were talking about another movie. Which one were we talking about? One that most people... Is that right, Stephen? One that most people wouldn't guess that I would be obsessed with. 
It was yeah, Stephen. For those of you who are wondering why you can't hear Stephen, Stephen doesn't want to be heard, but I can hear him in my talkback. So it's fantastic. And he has a lovely voice, which you'll learn because he'll be my first official guest. But we are talking about... And... Um, I forget we were talking about that, as well as one of my best friend's films, which you didn't hear that one either, because, well, she'll probably be on at some point, and that's, uh, those are two very radically different movies, but she constantly brought up and we watched it, and I didn't particularly care for it. Uh, but knowing Sarah, my best friend, as well as I do, it totally, uh, it totally made sense why she loved it the way she did. And it also gave me a little insight to little parts of, you know, your best friend of 14 plus years that maybe you didn't really consider. Had some of her favorite actors in it, but it's also a gorgeous film. Um, they took some interesting chances as far as casting and where they took the story. Love, I actually love that about the film, even though it's not one of my favorites. I understand how she saw it so, so brilliantly. And uh, we were talking about... And it was very much that same thing. But not only that, it's it's a film that I've loved forever, but I hadn't seen it in years. So... Steven had never seen it, and I showed it to him because there's an actor in it that he doesn't particularly care for. And I said, oh, have you seen him do this? Um, this is something that you would be very surprised to hear him in or to see him in. And we watched it, and it was a, a totally different film for me because the first time I saw it, I was... <sighs> 1920 and then the next time I saw it I was in my early 30s um and it affected me in a completely different way and it just made me remember like that's one of the most beautiful things about film and pretty much anything creative uh there are paintings that I didn't particularly care for um when I was younger that will stop me dead in my tracks if I even see a print of it and music, same. I storyboard a lot for uh, dialogue and for books that I'm working on. And like, geez, I did not think of this song. But now that I'm in a different headspace, this song can make me cry. Um, and this movie, as I was talking about it again with Stephen as well as Sarah, um, it affected me differently. I actually cried a couple of times. I'm actually tearing up a little bit thinking about it now. But, and then, uh, you know, Sarah and I turned to Stephen and asked him about his. And um, he had a moment where he, you couldn't think of it, right? Well, see, it's, he says it took him a minute to figure it out. But I did the wife bullshit and went, it's this. I'll see. Oh, now we're going to get into husband-wife territory because I am 100% it is this. And he's saying that he thought of it first. Um, 
I remember it differently. And I'm the one on mic, so I'm probably right. <laughs> He's rolling his eyes. We can talk about that more in your episode. Don't take this away from me. Marriage is great, guys. It's, you know, it's a give and take. You take the good, you take the bad. Wait, that's the facts of life. Um, I don't know. Like, it, it it's a movie that Sarah had never seen. Uh, and she's like, oh, okay, but the way that we both, like, immediately thought of it, I'm like, yes, you would know a lot about Steven if you saw this movie. <laughs> um, or you would go, yes, this is Steven. This rings a Steven. Yep, boom, boom. And that's just kind of, I know engineers like, sla- you know, snapping around the microphone. They also like clapping. What else do they like, Steven? They like when you touch the microphone, especially if it's a very, very expensive microphone. They love it if you just touch it, um, maybe spew half-chewed Doritos on it. These are all actual things that have happened, and it's disgusting. But, yeah, so there's this, I don't know, spark that I'm really looking forward to. And and it can bring reoccurring guests down the line, I think. It's where here's how I've been going about it with potential guests that have already, you know, uh, not firmly said yes, but are interested in knowing more about the show um, and uh, have given me that that soft yes where they're like, yeah, let me know about it. But where I tell you, and it's very high fidelity of me, excuse me, where I say, give me your top five films that you would want me to see in order to get you. And I choose from those five films. Um, Then we just do a commentary for that. Where it's not about us watching the movie together, while it is, because I will tell you, I'm not sure if I have, but I'm watching the movie right now. The runtime is dictating this episode. And it's approximately 108 minutes. We might finish earlier. We might finish well well into the credits. You don't know. Neither do I. It's a mystery, Stephen. Um, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's not about the movie. It's about two people in a room with the movie as the basis for the start of the conversation, where we can end up, you know, getting caught in certain scenes, um, but that's not necessarily it. And in in previous, uh, in the previous show, the initial idea, uh, I come from a radio, television, film background. That is what my degree is in. And um, when family kind of encouraged me to look for a backup, because it's not that they necessarily didn't believe in me being an actor, but they didn't really see... I think there's this disconnect, and it's, it's not necessarily generational, but if you come from a family that is really all about working to just support your family, not necessarily working to do something you enjoy, it's hard to get your mind around doing both, working on something you enjoy. Um, And that was acting for me from a very, very early age. Uh, uh, I did little things here and there, and I always wrote wrote stories. I'd say being a creative, because I love being a writer. Um, And I love directing, and I love seeing young up-and-coming performers as well when I get to teach, but 
As a radio television film person, when I did finally own up to the fact that, uh, you know, a backup or, you know, something else to help while I continue my journey uh, wouldn't be horrible, I decided on radio TV film because of my love of directing and writing. And uh, I really wanted to do my own radio show. And then I think the one week that I was at Clear Channel as an intern, which every day I had a new boss and they would never tell me what happened to my the boss that I'd previously worked with, which is kind of terrifying. Um, they just kind of urged me to really consider something that isn't radio. They're like, radio's dying and blah, 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 which I would argue is not necessarily the case. It was just it just evolved. It's it's evolved into this, you know, podcasting, streaming, uh, internet radio, which, whatever, all these different, there's so many beautiful ways to listen to music. Hopefully legally, hopefully you're not a giant spaz that thinks that they need to steal music. It's 2019. You don't need to steal music or anything really. Anime obviously is a really big deal for me and I get a lot of hate for being anti-pirate, which I think is kind of stupid. It's just stupid. But getting back to that is, um, yeah, I finished out my degree, which we can circle back to later, but finished out my degree and it was about a couple months into my internship, I'd really started to kind of get into... uh, a really easy friendship with a guy named Michael Tatum, or J. Michael Tatum as he goes by. He's a fantastic actor and writer and stellar composer when he actually allows us to hear his beautiful notes. But there would be parties that we would start going to where people would jokingly be like, hey, when are you guys going to do a show together? And that was a really funny way of just saying, you guys won't shut the fuck up. (laughs) <laughs> and so there was an opportunity through uh, some new internet radios, someone that had previously been a big wig at a radio station and said, I can do that. And I'd asked Tatum for a rough idea and I'm like, well, we're in the anime industry, uh, you know, the dubbing part of it. And uh, nobody really talks about uh, this to that extent outside of conventions, which are a whole other thing. So basically, what if we did like a panel, but on the radio and, you know, talked about new releases and shows coming up and interviewed fellow people in the industry. And um, we didn't call it that anime show. The producer chick, uh, the lady running the thing, um, asked us what the name was and we couldn't think of it. And she said, for right now, we'll just call you guys that anime show. And we went, ah, Aha! You did it! But for all the promos, they kept saying the anime show. And I'm like, all right, well, you guys came up with the name. Fucking figure it out. So the first three episodes, I would argue, were obviously still very much getting our footing and uh, our microphone confidence, which is totally different than voice acting because it's it's just different. You're not playing a character. You're playing yourself. So you get really in your head about stuff. But yeah, it just became its own thing. We we steered away from it. And those first three episodes, um, Steven's role was minimal, if nothing. And then we're like, wait, Steven's a sound engineer. We have 
all this musical equipment because we also do sound design for other things. We like we we did we did uh, sound design for a long time for a couple of haunted houses, and uh, we can do this. And we found like. <laughs> This like free site to upload our show and people could download it. And then episodes later, the guys of the One Piece podcast um, were nice enough to be like, hey, you're on iTunes. We figured it out for you. Please stop doing this. <laughs> and uh, I believe the One Piece podcast. And I say I believe. I know for a fact it is still going as of right now. And um Every single member of the One Piece podcast is absolutely amazing. And yeah, if you're not, if you're in even remotely interested in One Piece, you should be listening to it or, you know, don't. And um, the guys will just come after you. They're vicious, vicious people. These people that I just said are like some of the nicest people in the entire world. But anyways, yes. So cut to four years later. Um, We've been doing the show and... Uh, I think it just kind of organically happened. That last year, I can't believe I'm complaining about this, but that last year, we were all so busy doing other things that that anime show just, it wanted to stay a priority for all of us, but it just couldn't. Steven was working full-time as an engineer for Funimation and going to school at night full-time for his bachelor's in environmental science. Uh, I, oh my gosh, five years ago, what was I doing, Stephen? I, I was narrating audiobooks. Uh, I still do occasionally, but mostly under a different name for sexy, sexy books, as well as other things. But uh, at the time, yeah, I was doing that. Um, I think I was still, I was auditioning a lot. I was doing some on-camera stuff again, which... Oh, God. I love doing on camera, but I hate doing on camera at the same time. Voiceover is really nice because, I mean, I've got green hair and covered in tattoos and I've got piercings and stuff. So it's really nice not have to worry about covering that stuff up. But I will for work. Um, And then Tatum, uh, Tatum full-time writer, actor, and all of us on top of that were doing conventions. And um, and then there's that anime show, which requires me, all, just me, to book a guest, work around four people's schedules, the guests, mine, Stevens, and Tatum's, to book them for that time, taking fan questions, um, and then there's the after the aftermath of after the episode is recorded. It's uh, we did a three track setup in Pro Tools, and that's everybody's mic'd with their own thing. And uh, there's rendering it, which <laughs> thank God for offline bouncing, right? <sighs> it was rendering in real time. So that's minimum of two hours if there isn't something we're like, hey, let's take that out. Or, um, and those are just for the simple episodes. There would be uh, Halloween episodes that we did, and those were incredibly, incredibly complex. Um, and on top of all of that, not to sound ungrateful, because uh, we, we are still downloaded a minimum of 5,000 times in a month and listened to in over 83 countries, but it became a lot of work for something we weren't getting anything from 
Uh, we The episodes were and still are available, aside from a couple that we took down for personal reasons or just uh, just because we wanted to. Um, but they uh, we did all of that for free. And so trying to continue to make it, – it, it's those passion projects, isn't it? Especially when you're a freelance creative. Passion projects will always take a back seat. Um, and – it wasn't necessarily that it wasn't still a priority because we had we have still to this day some of the most loyal, hilarious listeners and fans in the entire world. Uh, these people I've met through that anime show um, are some of the kindest, coolest people that I now consider friends. You know, when I, I go to conventions, sometimes people will be in my line for you know, my my body of work, but other times they're just there because they're a fan of that anime show and which I guess is in my work, but we just want to talk about shit and <laughs> or uh, people that uh, like the, the show affected people in such a fantastically beautiful way that uh, I just couldn't fathom. There was a um, an episode, or not an episode, um, there was a convention that I did in, I think, Dallas proper. And uh, you get to sign fun things uh, when you get go to autograph sessions. And um, at the time, I never, I hadn't started uh, commissioning artists to help me have things for people to sign so that they could purchase and I could sign. Um, and uh, so it's like, yeah, if you have something, and this guy slid me his iPod. So this was a while ago. Um, I still have mine, damn it. iPod Classic. But um, he slid it to me and I went, oh, what do you want me to do with this? And he goes, I would like for you to sign it. And uh, I said, oh, no, you want me to like depreciate this by signing it? And uh, he kind of got a little quiet. And I'm like, oh, God, because uh, sometimes my humor doesn't translate that well. Um, and he uh, explained to me that uh, he was in the service which um, I thanked him for his service. And he explained to me that there were moments being overseas that things weren't going great and that he was having difficulty kind of keeping his head where it needed to be. And that that anime show helped him feel like he was home. And... <laughs> Jesus, thinking about it, uh, I had trouble looking at him. But uh, he said that with that anime show, he felt like he was there and just hanging out with friends. And yeah, like I cried as I signed his iPod. <laughs> I should have hugged him and probably bought him like many drinks or something. But uh, yeah, it's stories like that that stuck with me. And of course, for every very sweet story, there's a really cool like preteen that's like, I love that anime show and her judging mother directly behind her. Clearly not a fan. <laughs> but so when you realize that you kind of not necessarily don't want to do the show anymore, but you can't keep doing it at that rate. And when you're four years in, you can't really change the formula like that. And then 
on top of that, yes, every, we were all going through different things. Uh, you know, uh, Tatum was about to move, uh, move significantly further away. He, at the time of the show, lived 10 minutes away from us and was about to move a good 40 minutes away from us. And he started a new relationship and, and Steven and I were dealing with our own stuff, uh, not in a bad way, but you know, we, we had bought a home and we were, we were wanting to travel more and just, when you when you do a show at least once a month, um, and that requires someone being in your home and um, taking fan questions or whatever, I guess you start kind of forgetting why you're doing it, and it doesn't become fun, and it just becomes not fun anymore. So rather than continue to do the show just because we had decided to do it, we decided to end it. And, um, yes, very shortly after I had this, I- these, this idea for a type of commentary type show and, um, I wanted to have a co-host, but I didn't. And it's like, oh, I, I, I don't want to do something too similar to that anime show because that was a totally different thing. Um, that is the product. Uh, I created the show. Yes. But I mean, it's just as much. Steven's show and just as much Tatum's show. Uh, so when we did play with the idea of coming back, um, it was like, all right, we can't do it unless it's worth our time. You know, not to <laughs> trying to say that as nice as I can, but and also to maybe like get artists more work and more um, just more stuff to solidify that the show is uh, worth reviving. And we, uh, I, I forget where we came up with the number, but we weren't going to reach it, and we still could have done the show because there were some great patrons that contributed. But I don't know. Like the three of us talked about it and just said, you know, is it worth the shot that it might we might not have the same magic? You know, we decided not to do it. And of course, there were, again, our fans, both old and new, people that found the show after we had finished or people that had been listening from the first episode, you know, downloading that from, I don't even remember the website. Um, They wanted to, they wanted it to come back. And I, at least every couple of weeks, I still get a message asking about it, but you know, I even I even saw Tatum last week, and we talked about it. He's like, you know, it. I'm glad that we didn't come back because it's like it would seem too forced in a way. So Tatum actually has a a new podcast. It's been around for a couple of a couple of months now. Um, he's always been a big fan of the supernatural, as have I, but not to the extent that he. I, I would argue he. he the force is stronger with this one as far as uh, supernatural elements go. And uh, he, as well as Jamie Markey, uh, host a show called Ghoul Intentions. And it, if you haven't checked it out, please do. Um, they're also on Twitter, at Ghoul Intent. And they cover, they do ghost stories. They also just really fun and anecdotal and check it out. And then Steven's also working on a few things. Um, Steven, at, after the show ended, uh, finished out his degree. He has a bachelor's in environmental science. And it's pretty hot, you guys. I, I mean, as hot as that can be. 
I guess. I guess it wouldn't be a great pickup line. No, like, hey, if you had a PhD, yeah. I mean, would never call you Dr. Hoff. Um, mm, that got weird. Quick. Sorry. And, um, yeah, he quit working at Funimation and, um, oddly started, uh, working in something not as an engineer, which was odd for me because I'd always known him as a musician and a sound engineer. But, um, he tried it out. It didn't fit. It didn't fit for what he enjoyed. So luck just kind of worked out, and uh, he started working at Okertron 5000, which is Christopher Sabat's studio in North Dallas, and cut to, what, three? Three, almost three years later since that start, and now he's a producer guy. He directs, he casts, he talks to clients internationally, and... Uh, I've worked with him, again, uh, as an actor and uh, script supervisor for his stuff. He's, Stephen's all grown up. <laughs> they say that's for someone who's six and a half years older than me. I'm like, you're growing up right before my eyes, Stephen. And then me, yeah, I'm trying to think, five years, yikes. Um, I, let's see, five years. I read Harry Potter, finally. <laughs> that's all I did. Um, no, and I'm a fan. Uh, I actually got back into reading, uh, which has really influenced my, uh, oh my gosh, it has really influenced me as an actor and as a writer. But uh, now, with what I do, it also, for anyone who wants to be a voice actor or any kind of actor, please be a reader as well. It will benefit you greatly. And not just books where you can immediately identify with, read books where you can't identify with someone. It will open your damn mind. But um, now, on average, I read anywhere, depending, excuse me, I kick the mic stand, anywhere from three to nine books a week. A week. Um, and I'm including manga and <laughs> uh, comics and all that too, but still, um, it makes me quicker with an edit as a script supervisor and a writer, um, for my own stuff. I also edit people's manuscripts, um, as well as, yeah, the big thing, uh, when I started narrating, when that animation was still going, when I started narrating people's audiobooks, um, I got into, uh, I got to meet a lot of fantastic authors, both traditionally published as well as, uh, indie. Uh, and that, uh, it started sparking different conversations, you know, when I would be done for the day and talking to Steven, where I would say, I think I finally want to do this. There was a book that had been kind of itching its way to get out of me, um, since I was, uh, I would say at least 16 years old, I had a reoccurring dream that I really couldn't make sense of, but I would write out little details here and there uh, and um, really firmed it up, firmed up the idea and brainstormed uh, working off of someone who's a fellow creative, which is uh, Stephen and um, also my best friend, Sarah, who is a phenomenal writer and journalist um, and photographer. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> she's just all around great and uh I love her, but it, um, some, oh gosh, I don't even want to admit, some, many drafts later, um, 
shopped it around a little bit and just it didn't feel right, at least for my first book. Maybe down the line I'll I'll go the traditionally published route. But um I decided to make my life even more complicated by uh releasing it myself. I hired an artist for the cover and um Stephen and I learned uh, how to print and format and HTML code for the ebook. And then that wasn't complicated enough. I decided that I wanted a full vocal cast for the audiobook. Um, one of Few, uh, which is a science fiction novel that came out in 2017, early 2017, it has a cast of over 20 people in the audio. Uh, I voice the narrator as well as the lead, whose name is Eleven. And um, then there's also Monica Rial, who's one of my best friends, Christopher Sabat, Josh Greeley, Tia Ballard, Aaron Dismuke, Oi, who else? Don Bennett, Damon Mills, Chris Waycamp. I said, Stephen said Damon Mills, and I went, Damon Mills. I love Damon. Um, as well as several other people, but um, some 40 plus audio tracks, it seems, later. Uh, and uh, I edit and placed everything and got the general pacing. And then Stephen and I did several rounds of mix. And I say, Stephen and I, Stephen would mix it, and I'd say, fix this, fix this, fix this. And uh, he would go, what if we did this instead? Or that doesn't need to be fixed. And he would probably be right. Um, and uh, yeah, that took a significant amount of time. And I'm in the middle of uh, early drafts on book two. And that's kind of insane. But yeah, wrote a book. And because I wrote the book, um, one of the actors I worked with, Christopher Sabat, was like, hey, you're a writer. Um, do you want to script supervise on some projects at my studio. So because of this book, I got, uh, you know, a really cool occasional gig. And most of the time I get to work with Steven, which I don't think a lot of couples really work as well to the extent that you and I do. I mean, we met at work. Um, we met working at Guitar Center which I won't even bother editing out because I think I think we've said it several times in previous shows and previous interviews. But um, yeah, there was a... And Stephen was my friend for a good year before that. And also, whenever we just worked together, Stephen saved my ass so many times from stupid shit. Or we, we had to create... Remember the last minute, like, corporate... It was like, hey, where's your Mackie display thing? And it was this really weird setup. And they're like, it has to look exactly like this. And it's, you know, it should be up by Monday. Both Steven and I typically had Sundays off. So because of this, like, push to get this Mackie display out, which was fuck awful. It was just horrible. We did what we could, but we didn't have the live room that other locations did. So we had to, like, cut parts of it. You remember that? Um, we had to cut parts of it in really weird ways to make it work. But obviously, Guitar Center wasn't planning this, but um, we actually, like, had a blast. And I think we became, like, really good friends after that. Um, and uh, then <laughs> there was a point where um, I... I 
you know, I had broken or with again. Um, it just got to the point where uh, I thought we were cool. You know, we had broken up for a little bit, come back. And then, yeah, uh, I'd work the next day. The night of him meeting my entire family, he broke up with me. Which uh, might be a comment on my family, but fuck that guy. Um, and, um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Just thinking about exes. I think we've all got that one ex. We're like, God damn it. Um, but, uh, yeah, there are actually exes I think quite fondly of. It's not one of them. Uh, but um, I had just started working at Guitar Center, and uh, Steven and I were hanging out a little bit as friends, and I'd made other friends, and so I was just kind of casually dating. That's a really chill way of just saying, hey, I had fun. And, um, you know, Steven had had his whole thing with uh, people, and, you know, we were friends at this point. Like, dude, I'm fucking done dating. And he was like... Yeah, me too. It was like fucking whatever. And then there was just a point where I was having, I was, you know, chain smoking at my local coffee shop, talking to my friend Daniela, and I'm like, I think I might like Steven. And her and a bunch of other people outside were like, yeah, you do. Like, What do you mean? Like, it is so annoying how much you talk about it. <laughs> the fact that you've just now realized you want to go out with him is re- both refreshing and frustrating because this should have happened like months ago. Um, but yeah, um, Stephen was about to go on vacation for a week uh, from Guitar Center. And I said, dude, it sucks uh, that you're going to be gone for a week. What am I supposed to do without you? And Stephen... <laughs> Uh, it's just really funny knowing him as well as I do now. Uh, I was like, well, maybe we could see each other while I'm on vacation. <laughs> I'm looking at him because I, I love this story. But it's just, what do you mean, like a date? And he's like, well, you know, it's like, whatever, maybe, yes. And I went, okay. Stephen went, okay. And then we each like left the acoustic room we were hanging out in. We're like, yeah um and uh yeah i guess the rest is history but some almost 13 in october it'll be 13 years together and we've been married for almost 10 years i know (laughs) she was like really i'm like fucker my anniversary is coming up yes um (laughs) yeah just kind of, uh, we've worked together in pretty much every capacity. We dated in secret for the first seven months of our relationship because, you know, Guitar Center employees really shouldn't be dating each other, especially when they're both kind of managers. I say, I'm very Dwight Schrute about this. I was assistant to the store manager. I only answered to the store manager. Um, I really shouldn't have been dating anyone that I was working with. But that didn't stop me well before Steven. Uh, <laughs> and... um uh, yeah, then there was a point where I was still working at Guitar Center, but I was also bartending at this uh, punk club in Deep Ellum, and Stephen was engineering there at night. Um, and then he got a full-time gig engineering there and quit Guitar Center. And that's when we came out as a couple. And then I quit 
the bartending thing because I needed to go back to, uh, I was trying to finish out my degree and I, and then uh, Guitar Center interfered with that. So Stephen took over Bill's including my phone bill even, and uh, we moved in together, and he uh, supported me while I finished school. And then I had to intern, and um, I was already voice acting a little bit for funny, and Stephen had started engineering at Funimation as well um, a little bit before I started there, and I interned at Funimation just kind of, I say playfully, like, nagging the powers that be because they didn't really have a production intern. And I, I'd say that I was probably the first and last one officially because <laughs> uh, they kept trying to get me to do, like, archiving or, you know, hey, it would be great if you could go do this. But the program coordinator at my college was like, no, if I find out you're a gopher, you're fucking done. I'm pulling you from that and we'll find another place for you to work. But that's not what you're there to do. So I ended up... um really shadowing several people, engineers, mix engineers, uh, producers, writers, other actors, directors, and um, just kind of really felt like I already worked there. And the week of me, quote unquote, graduating, because I didn't walk or anything, I was just done with classes. And I'm like, yeah, you can graduate. I went, cool, mail me it. I'm not going to (laughs) do a ceremony. Um... I just, I really don't like pageantry. I, I can see why it's a big deal for some people. For me, I, it was just a means to an end. I really just wanted to be able to say that I did this and suck it. <laughs> but um, the week of me graduating, the director that I had chatted the most, which was Christopher Bevins, who also went to the same college that I did, um, uh, offered me to be on his directing team along with J. Michael Tatum and Arbus Elliott. And yeah, so a show that I had started interning on, I was directing a couple weeks later. It's kind of cool. And uh, they tried to, they they started asking uh, if I ever had a problem with possibly working with Steven down the line. And we're like, no, I'd never, I'd, I wouldn't have a problem with it. And Steven wouldn't have a problem with it. And like, but it would be nice if, you know, <laughs> We didn't have to, so we can talk about something aside from work when we're not at work. So I don't think we ever did. Like, even, like, like for a day, I don't think we ever did at Funny. And, um, yeah, we've worked uh, at Okratron as script, uh, me as a script supervisor and you as my, you know, my boss, in a way, um, uh, for a little over a year, and uh, we do video games together and sometimes promo things for clients, which is great. And it, because we have a very specific way of talking, you know, being together for over a decade, uh, shit just happens quicker because we know how one another is trying to communicate most of the time. And, yeah, just, oh, how far we've come, Stephen. So we got a little under an hour left. And uh, how's everyone doing? Need some tea? Need a bathroom break? Because you can literally take me anywhere you need to in order to do that. Am I talking as you're peeing right now? Because that's fucking gross. But I get it. Sometimes, you know, it's whatever. I just wash your hands. I said wash your hands. (laughs) 
What else? We're talking about this and um, just the overall films. They'll they'll run the gambit. I mean, there's there's something for everybody. So I think we can watch anything. I think even on maybe a more pressing time, we might even do an episode of shows um, uh, of a show that you'll never know, and we may or may not have worked on. It's what really bo- uh, not bothers me because I totally get it. Um, for me, as a fan of movies, I very rarely listen to the commentary. There's just, <laughs> Stephen finds it distracting. So that's just another reason for me not to tell you what the movie is and you try to sync it up to a movie. I mean, I'm like, the also a big thing, if you do personally know me, is to try to get me to shut the fuck up during a movie if I've watched it. If I haven't watched it, I want everyone to shut up. But if I've seen it and you're with me, God help you. Um, and... There's no way to distract me anymore. I don't uh, drink alcohol anymore. Um, and uh, I rarely, like, pause a movie or, um, like, get up and, like, go somewhere. Like, I want to be here throughout your entire viewing experience. So, unless we're at the movie theater. And even, okay, sometimes it depends. If I'm with Steven, I'll typically be quiet. But if I'm with Sarah, we talk. <laughs> We make little shitty comments, uh, or um, Alexis Tipton, her and I are very, very bad at uh, being at movies together. Uh, we saw Cabin in the Woods together, and she kept, like, adding sound effects for, like, the zombies. And we saw, we took Stephen to see Lion King in 3D, which was a horrible idea, because Stephen has horrible sight. 3D is not for him. It makes him very sick. But we were, like, singing the songs along, so... We were not a good, <laughs> not a good coupling for anyone else in that movie theater. But yes, so I'm talking over movies right now. Um, and you have the option of just never knowing what that movie is. And it's pretty great. But again, this is a movie that I don't think anybody would particularly think of as great if they weren't into the genre. Um Am I hinting enough at what the genre is? Um, And also, uh, the movie came out in the late 90s, early 2000s. That's as specific as I'll get. And uh, for me, yes, part of a really big motivator is that the movie was something my father got me into during that last summer. It it didn't come out that year, but it was a movie I hadn't seen. He's like, oh my God, you haven't seen Um, (laughs) This is a huge deal for me. And I'm like, this, really, because it has to do with and um, teenage girls, uh, which you don't have to mute or censor, Stephen. But it just wasn't something that, because these these characters are very misanthropic, very jaded, very cynical. And if I think about it too much, I'm like, oh, my God. Does he like this because these girls remind him of me? Like, I was very, very deadpan and dressed very similar to these girls. But um, just kind of insane to think about if I, like, there's just really easy ways to obsess about it. But that's with everybody. Like, there are also, there are also other side of the coin. We've been talking about this a lot lately, especially with a friend of mine that has never seen Star Wars. I want to talk about movies that you particularly love. But I really 
have a strong distaste for people that try to force their love of a film on someone. That is the easiest way to get someone to hate a film. What was a big one for me? What was a big one for you, Stephen, that you hated? Hmm. Think about that. There are a lot of them. <laughs> I thought you would have to think harder. One that people said you had to watch. Or like a, oh, what I really hate. And it's, oh, <laughs> Stephen, please keep thinking because I want to know. Um, I really hate when it's a, oh, you have to watch it. And then I watch it and I like it. Very, very, very rare, but it does happen. There is a movie that we'll never cover, so I will not, I will not censor it out. It's called Coco. Now, that is a beautiful film. But for some reason, when it first started getting, I don't know, when it first started getting buzz, it kind of felt a little odd to me because it seemed to me at the time that they were very much capitalizing on my culture. Uh, I am a Mexican-American and um, or Latina, however you want to say it. I... Um, my mother is Mexican and uh, my father was, uh, English and Irish, I believe. Uh, I'll have to check 23 and me again, which guys, there are some results in there that would shock you. And that really made some very ugly parts of people I know come out. <laughs> but, uh, yes, Mexican and English, Irish. And <laughs> there was a point where Coco had come out already. And many people were like, oh my God, have you seen Coco? Uh, and they kind of said it like that too. I'm like, nah, I don't know if Coco's for me. Um, uh, and they would kind of be like, oh my God. Well, I mean, <sighs> this happened a couple of times and I know that they didn't mean for it to be insulting and borderline racist. Or full-blown racist, depending on how you want to view this. But they said, how can you call yourself Mexican if you haven't seen Coco? <laughs> and uh, me and relatives, as well as uh, other Hispanic friends, are like, um, I can still call myself very much that. It, and it took me well over a year. And I think Sarah Sarah is the one that made me watch it. Um, someone I trust. Um, because she'd shown me, what was it, the other, the other Day of the Dead movie, The Book of Life with Diego Luna. And, um, I didn't particularly care for that one. That one just seemed a little odd to me. But it's a huge gamble to recommend an animated film to me. Because of what I do, I am going to tear apart the mouth flaps and the plosives and all that stuff and basically just be a dick about it. Um, the voice acting, yeah, uh. There are movies I can't watch that I loved as a kid that I'm like, wow, okay, Sword in the Stone. I didn't realize Arthur was voiced by three people because he just kept hitting puberty. But if you watch it knowing that now, you're welcome. Uh, it's like, ah, sometimes I hate what I do. Like, I can't watch Archer or Bob's Burgers without being like, someone get H. John Benjamin away from the microphone because the plosives are killing me. But, yeah, so um, knowing that Sarah was into it, um, you know, it's that like, oh, okay, Sarah liked it. Mm, there's a huge chance that I might. 
And um, she came over and uh, brought it with her before it was on Netflix. And I loved it. Yes, I did. Uh, and I talked to uh, my main friend that he he and I were complaining about it. It's Anthony Bowling. And because uh, the whole joke that we kept doing, like, hey, you seen Coco yet? Oh, my God, you got to see Coco. And uh, he ran up to me. He's like, hey, you seen Coco yet? I'm like, actually. And he went, no, what are you doing? We were supposed to be in this together. <laughs> and I'm like, it's pretty good, man. Uh, and I, I don't know if he's seen it yet, but, uh, that's still a thing like, hey, you seen Coco yet? Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was one of the few times it worked out in someone's favor. But then, like, um, my friend Tia, Tia Ballard, who's fantastic, we were at a, a Christmas party and, um, we did, you know, the, the Yankee swap and, uh, there was a, a whole Star Wars themed uh, gift set, and Tia's the one that got it. She'd never seen Star Wars. Like, one of the things was like a plushy Luke Skywalker. Okay, let's be real. I'm the one that brought the Star Wars pack. <laughs> and so she didn't know what the plushy was. I'm like, that's Luke Skywalker, dude. But you have to play it chill and pretend like you're not the one that brought that. Um, and uh, it had like Star Wars puzzles and everything. And some had like Kylo Ren, and others had like. Uh, stormtroopers she knew none of this stuff and so she kind of casually said i haven't seen star wars and um people lost their mind and apparently that had been happening to her for a bit or it's like oh no okay you're going to love it um that's the thing is you don't know that and star wars like any other film or I would argue that Star Wars is a bigger deal to some people. Um, I say that knowing that there are people that uh, are a little intense about Star Wars. I'm intense about some stuff, but yeah, I won't um, rake someone over the coals for, you know, liking the prequels. For those people that grew up with those being new and never having seen the films uh, before that, maybe the prequels aren't that horrible to them. I remember as a kid, my brother and I having been raised on the Star Wars films, when the first one came out, we left very confused. We left that first one very, very confused. Like, what was that? But that's us. So I told, I had to tell Tia, you know, like, hey, it's okay that if you don't want to see it. And she's like, thank you. <laughs> um, or uh, another one is... Uh, I didn't realize how big of a Star Trek dork my dad was. And I love him so much still to this day. Present tense still, yes. Um, But uh, when he passed, you know, I had to pack up his house at one point and I found all these commemorative plates and all, you know, all the um, special episodes in their own specialty VHS set, which uh, unfortunately uh, got eaten away by flame when my mother's house uh, burned down uh, a few years ago. But everyone was fine, but we did lose a lot of really cool, nerdy memorabilia. And... um, yeah, Star Trek is another one where it's like, oh, you're in a Star like well that's with anything is if you're new to a fandom, um people want to feel as though your like of something is less valid 
than theirs based on when you got into it. I don't like those people. Like whatever you like. Da-da-da-da-da. But there are horror, horror films. That's a whole other thing. I, I'm really into 80s and 90s horror, but there are some fantastic newer things that come out. But the really big annoying thing is when a new horror movie comes out, they're like, oh my god, you haven't seen The Conjuring? That movie's brilliant. It's one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, what's what are your top five uh, horror films? I'm like, I, I don't want to do this with you because we're going to argue... Let's argue about something else. Let's talk about politics. I would rather talk about politics than justify why I like a movie that you don't. Oh, Jesus. I hate how true that is. Um, Stephen, have you thought about one? Blood and Chocolate? You liked it? I don't know many people that did like Blood and Chocolate. Cat liked it? Hmm. We still love you, Cat. I actually thought of one that you and I talked about and I feel like we're really like throwing cat to the wolves here. But, um, you told me actually, I would argue the whole series now. Cause it was a movie that I think both you and I, even though we weren't remotely friends yet, um, there's a franchise. The first one, obviously it's a really big deal. Um, as far as movies go, cause it's based on a comic and I'll tell you the name of it. Cause we'll never we'll likely, likely I won't say ever. And, Blah, blah, blah. But The Crow. The Crow was a big deal. Um, and I think uh, it was a huge deal. And you, there was that like South Park ongoing joke, like, nobody dresses The Crow this year. And of course, the person that keeps saying that, Satan, <laughs> dresses as The Crow. Um, there was um, a thing there for a while. Every Halloween, you're like, how many Eric Dravens am I going to see this year? But the second one, Remember, you were telling me about this. You saw the second one in theaters with Kat and her and a friend, I think a girlfriend, like, got up and, like, clapped after the movie was done. Like, really? The Crow 2 with Vincent Perez. Really? Uh, okay. You do you, boo. But, uh, you know, that's the funny thing about film. (laughs) You just don't. No. Me, I've never understood clapping at a film unless I'm at the premiere or something. Uh, they won't hear me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's just with, with anything. There are films that uh, affect me greatly that are bombs. Like, um, actually, I was talking about it on Twitter because um, Shaka, who's an amazing woman that I met while working, uh, while she was working at Funimation, she's gone on to bigger and better things since then, but she's also a fantastic, like, an insanely fantastic cosplayer and just a really fun person to dork out with. Uh, I think she might have been the one to get me into Snot Girl, which is one of my favorite comics. But um, we were talking about Scott Pilgrim. Um, Scott Pilgrim is a really big deal. We were talking about how um, it meant something different to a lot of just overall queer women, I think for men too, but uh, I um, actually, I don't know if I ever really talked about it on that anime show because there was that kind of thing where I wasn't really sure how to talk about it and wasn't fully comfortable with it yet, but I've talked about it with family numerous times since then as I do identify as pansexual and I'm in a committed relationship with a man, which... The biggest thing about that was a lot of people very much argued that that made me straight now, which 
I kind of found myself agreeing with. It's like one of those things where you just don't want to rock the boat. And so you go, yeah, sure, I, I guess that's it. But we're talking about Scott Pilgrim, and um, Stephen and I loved it. Uh, I, it's, I, I'm a big fan of Edgar Wright uh, from Spaced Days up till now. Um, he's a very particular director. I can see why... He's not for everybody, but for me, I every one of his films, uh, I can watch them all day long and want to watch them the next day, too. I love them. But uh, Scott Pilgrim was quite a departure for him at that point. But also, Scott Pilgrim, uh, if you are a fan of the comic uh, or the graphic novel, however you want to put it, um, it would have been hard to do, but he found a way to do it. Uh, I love the music. Soundtrack's fantastic. And... Um, you know, just talking about how Ramona always says exes rather than ex-boyfriends. And then you find that Ramona um, has dated a woman and all this stuff. And I forget we were talking about it, but um, I was talking about it with an ex-girlfriend. And uh, I forget how that stemmed into a whole other thing. But just talking about visibility um, as uh, just a queer person, let alone, you know, a bi person, pan, however you identify. There are obviously, you know, there's Roxy, who's the lesbian, and um, Scott's uh, roommate, uh, Wallace, who's gay. And I just loved it because it wasn't wasn't like a, I don't know, it's really hard to explain. I think most of you get what I'm trying to say here. But we were just kind of talking about how beautiful it was to see such a, a fluid film. And then it, it digressed into this whole thing and where my ex happened to be seeing this new woman. And um, I I forget, I offhandedly said something about being straight now. And the conversation took a very awkward turn where it was like talking about how me... Uh, she's like, well, first of all, you're not straight. You've never been straight. And I'm like, oh, you know how it is, blah, blah, blah. She's like, I really don't, and neither do you. Like, where is this coming from? And basically what it boiled down to was how insulting that was to not only what her and I had, though the relationship didn't work out, we were still friends, um, but who I was. And I explained kind of, you know, the thought process there. Um and uh, she's like, I understand how someone a bit ignorant to what this world is can think that, but you don't have an excuse, to which I didn't have an argument. She was right. And uh, had some really deep discussions about that with her as well as Stephen, as well as other people, and um, even my mother uh, there was a point where she's like, you know what? I learned a new term, pansexuality. And she doesn't talk like that. That's me. Um, said, yeah. She's like, I think that's what you are. I don't think you're gay. I'm like, I've been married to a guy for how many years? Uh, how many years? Um, I'm like, I, I know I'm not gay. Uh, she's like, but you, but you find women attractive too. I'm like, I've really, it's about the person and, uh, I really don't know if I'm attracted to someone until I've gotten to know them a bit. Um, and she's like, yeah, I think you're pansexual. 
And I said, yeah, I, I kind of figured that out on my own, uh, which is a lie because I also clearly had uh, fr- friends uh, and exes be like, uh, no, this, which it's refreshing in a way. And I try to talk about it more now because luckily we've um, a few of us have gotten to be in some great projects that uh, are very open about it and fluid. There's a um, a show that I got to do at the end of 2017, the beginning of 2018, called Recovery of an MMO Junkie. And I had to explain this to some people because the premise is there's a woman in her 30s that leaves her corporate job and uh, decides she's just going to play MMOs and uh, just live that you know, introverted life, which sounds fantastic sometimes. Although, you know, you'll get really pale, but you get used to it. And um, she, in the middle of very much failing at this game, where in-game she plays a man who's voiced by my buddy Aaron Dismuke, who is fantastic, um, that this female avatar, voiced by Natalie Hoover, um, they become friends and, you know, strike up almost an immediate attraction. And <laughs> watching it with friends are like, oh, so Moriko's gay. Like, I just don't think it matters. She clearly is into Lily. I don't think it matters. And uh, talking to Lily's uh, real-world uh, counterpart, voiced by Josh Greeley, who is a great friend of mine, uh, Greeley... And I talked about how it really wouldn't have mattered either way that no matter what, these two people were going to be into each other. So if Lily um, online had been a woman offline, Moriko probably it probably wouldn't have mattered to Moriko. So and vice versa with you, uh, his character, Yuta Sakurai, is if Sakurai had found that Aaron's character was actually a man instead of me, that that wouldn't have changed anything. And... That was pretty sweet, in a way. I hope we get to do more stories like that. and um, Not just about, necessarily, bisexuals or pansexuals, but just all around. We've we've been playing some fantastic new type of characters. Or not new, but just underrepresented. Um, even, um, I could go on about that forever, but let, we'll go to other things, because there have been some very interesting arguments over the years talking about this stuff, and... Yeah, I'm really excited uh, to explore more of that. But And that was all just kind of talking about Scott. Like, that went on a tangent because of Scott Pilgrim. That's a, something else that you might need to be aware of if you aren't familiar with uh, me. Is um, It takes nothing for me to really try to emphasize a point and end up in, like, on a totally different street. Like, yeah, I wanted to do this. How did I get here? How did any of us get here? Maybe we'll circle back around. Maybe we won't. And then someone will send me an email or a comment and be like, hey, are you ever going to answer this? <laughs> to which I'll say, I mean, who's to say? We, the science just isn't there yet. Maybe one day. We'll never know. Mm-mm-mm. Let's see, Stephen. What am I like? Before I continue, is there anything I'm leaving out? Book the audiobook. Like I like we've we've talked about like all around growth. Um and um 
there was actually something, you know, just listen, talking with um, people, because there have been instances uh, these past couple of months via social media have been, what's the word I want to use? Interesting. Uh, no, I'll get even more dry with it. Interesting. There you go. Um, a lot of references have been made to past work or previous comments. And um, one of the things that a fan actually brought up when I had a Tumblr ages ago was um, my mentioning not wanting to refer to myself as a feminist. And uh, it's like, uh, there are just parts of interviews or old episodes or something where you're like, wow, that definitely sounds like a mid 20 year, like someone in their early 20s wanting to sound clever. Uh, but really, and, and I think it was, it very much fell into that same heading of um, being pansexual, where it's like, you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to talk about something that might make someone uncomfortable. And that's kind of how like referring to myself as a feminist, I think, came off. Or wanting to talk about issues that related to the Hispanic community for me or talking about being a woman of color, which I believe there was an episode where people laughed at that because I'm so incredibly pale. Like, um, uh, <laughs> okay guys. Um, but, uh, where you want to steer away from issues, just not to again, rock that frickety fracking boat. Why are we on a boat? Let's see land base. That's where sharks live is in the ocean guys. Sand sharks. Um, I've seen that movie. Um, land sharks are great though. And hmm, baby sharks too. But only if they're on land. <laughs> Damn it, Steven, you got me so off track. But no, what I'm saying is there was a point, you know, where I was that that chick that didn't really have a lot of girlfriends. Sarah being my best friend, she's one of the few girls that's made it to the inner circle because I was always like that tomboy, you know, um, uh, where you want to like agree with very basic things that beautiful, outspoken women are talking about that identify as feminists, but you don't want to hear the inevitable groan after you refer to yourself as a feminist or just uh, wanting your fellow man, woman to uh, have the same rights as you, um, be it marriage, uh, working conditions, uh, being able to live the same quality of life that you do. And it's just about like, you don't you don't want to upset people. But then I forget where this switch came on where I'm like, you know what? If you don't like it, if you don't like that we that I want to talk about this, maybe leave. Or maybe, you know, just kind of suffer through it. Cause there are conversations I don't want to have that I'm like, fuck, I guess we're talking about this. Uh I think most relationships, especially friendships, I don't think friendships get the respect that they deserve a good chunk of the time because it's not uh, a relationship of romantic love or familiar, um, familial in the traditional sense that um, people view friends not getting along as a sign of the end when 
you know as well as I do, Stephen, that relationships are made not only in the happy parts, but in, in the crappy parts, too. They take work. If you know a couple that has been together more than six months and haven't had an argument, worry for them. Same with friendships. Like, I've known Sarah. I met Sarah in a writing group forever ago. We have arguments all the time, but never at any point I'm like, well, Sarah was nice to know, but she disagreed with me. But uh, we tend to have, until, like, unless we're not communicating at all, um, tend to have really fair arguments, you know, where it's just a conversation and a back and forth, or I didn't see it this way, um, you know, blah, 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 where if you just come from a place of wanting to understand, that makes all the difference. But if you're just talking to hear yourself talk and not listening, but just waiting for your turn to talk again, that's not something I'm interested in. So that's really been my experience anytime I do uh, now. I, it's Recently, I haven't really run into a lot of opposition with uh, the feminist uh, talking about just simple things, or I find it, there were points, like, I find it funny that, you know, I can say this and I'm a bitch, but so-and-so can say the exact same thing. And, you know, they're uh, just so outspoken and so, you know, like, you know, they play by their own rules, blah, blah, blah. You got to respect that. That person has never not been a man. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, you just, you don't know. Or, but now it's also just such an odd call. It's an odd, odd time. I would say five years ago that many things were similar, but a lot has changed because of circumstances that aren't ideal. Again, I will point to the fact that I am a woman that is Mexican, that is living in a very interesting time politically, that... uh, I've run into issues I never thought I would have to run into. Um, I've just in the last year, I've had death threats. I've had uh, rape threats. I've run into people that don't, don't particularly care for my ethnicity um, or my lifestyle. Um, my tattoos, my green hair, which apparently the the big thing with the green hair online, if you're an outspoken woman, is a typical social justice warrior, feminazi baloney, is, you know, you, I don't know what they sound like. I'm assuming this, but it's really just because I want to do this accent. If you actually do sound like this, you probably sound badass. Thanks for being badass and sounding like this. But... It's like the, I don't know. It's just so easy to to hate now, isn't it? It is, unfortunately. But um, don't worry. There's still plenty of sarcasm and cynicism coming your way if you decide to keep up with obscure chatter and yours truly and whatever my guests might have in mind, whatever movies we want to talk over. But... There are also points where 
it's like, okay, I could get upset about this. Or I could leave the conversation that I in no way wanted to have. Like, so many people lately have really been trying to engage just to just to agitate. And that just doesn't interest me at all, especially if it's really about wanting to know that they agitated you or, I mean, that's the end goal. Um, please seek that validation somewhere else. I will block you. I will mute you. And then we'll talk about other things while eating yummy sandwiches. That's that's all I want to do. It's all I want in life is just to have yummy food, talk about movies, and hang out with people. Now, the cool thing about, uh, or one of the thing, another thing that's changed about the podcasting world for us is um, it's just easier to listen to. I'm, I'm just very curious why you're listening to this from, uh, is it the website? Is it, I don't even know. What are you listening to this on? Some Cree crystal? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I just watched, uh, watched um, something Marvel-related. I want to say that the the setup that we had in those first three episodes of that anime show, it, it looked really, like, cutting edge until you sat there for more than a minute. It's like that, uh, it's like the Monet, where you're like, oh, and then you get closer, and then you get closer, and you get closer. You're like, hmm, not sure about this anymore, which is a horrible argument because Monet is fantastic. But, um... I don't know, there was, uh, like, a validity to it because it looked so, like, yeah, I wanted to do a radio show, so this is what I think a radio show studio would look like. Cut to, you know, when we started doing it, the first episode that we did ourselves, we did in what should have been my dining room in my condo, and it was so echoey uh, and ridiculous, and it was not in a good neighborhood. This was the kind of neighborhood where... Like, hey, call me when you get here. I will meet you outside. Or if I went grocery shopping, I needed to have someone with me. Um, it was just a really bad scene. We did. Uh, yeah, Stephen's talking about a horrible story where our next-door neighbor was actually committing horrible crimes. Luckily, we weren't doing uh, that anime show at the time. <laughs> That's a very small thing to worry about in the grand scheme. Someone was getting very much hurt, and we had to call the cops. But it got to the point where we were calling the cops all the time. They're like, look, you live here. Don't be shocked. <laughs> like, all right, still going to call the cops, bro. Um, but um, and when we left, it was like, thank God. Yeah, our windows would get busted all this time. So we're like, yes, let's do a show here. But uh, when we moved to, uh, when we found a house, because we needed to leave that area, we were actually really itching to leave. And when we finally found this house that we're currently recording in, um, we made sure to leave one of the rooms empty to record. Like the two bedrooms, which are finally bedrooms again. Um, uh, one is a study, the other is a guest room. Um, finally, you guys needed to know that. But... Um, we would have, yeah, left an empty room where there would be three mic stands, three microphones, and uh, no headphones. We just talked to each other. And Stephen would be in the other room, in the other bedroom, um, recording us. And it worked fine. There would be episodes where, like, 
the like the blinds open where you could see that neighbors were trying to see what was going on because then I realized it actually looked very much like we were doing something shady. Uh, <laughs> like where we were running like some kind of like brothel or some shit. I don't know. But it uh, it just kind of evolved. But now, um, and when I started doing audiobooks, I converted a cl- one of those closets I say I, Stephen did, and I was lucky enough to, like, hand him stuff. That was my contribution. Um, uh, One of the closets became my booth, and we we used to have clients come over, and they'd be like, hey, this is really nice. I'm like, it's a closet. I feel so ghetto about this. Um, But it did what it needed to do. My first, like, several audiobooks, it was about timing it to where... The AC interruptions would be minimal, or I would have to wear, yeah, excuse me, you guys are totally going to have to wear very little because I knew I was going to be locked in a space without centralized air for a long time, and I live in Texas. So it'd be like, hey, you would think this is like, oh, it's so hot and sexy. It's like, it's hot and I'm miserable and, ugh, you know, sexy stuff. But, um... As I would do, like, sexy books. <laughs> if they only knew how not sexy I was and, like, my, like, horrible, like, sweaty-ass, like, musician shirt and, like, crappy pants. Oh, my God. I realize I'm kind of wearing something similar right now. Ah, it's VO. You don't know. But um, to cut to now where uh, we've completely renovated the house. That's the thing whenever you first move into a house that they don't really tell you is the first couple of years are really just you trying to make sure, like trying to say that you're okay with how the house is like is as is because you just already made this huge purchase. You don't want to buy anything else. And then you're like, the way that this house is made is not for me. So it doesn't really feel like your house. Um, And then a couple of years down the line, you'll be like, fuck it. I want to make it the way that I want. So what used to be a game room is now our studio, and we have a good and proper, pardon me, um, good and proper whisper room. And um, I can actually see Stephen. <laughs> I'm looking at the glass, and he's saying hello. But um, I've got two monitors. I've got a variety of microphones to choose from. Also, on the other side of the space outside of this booth, I have a desk. Um it's this, like, desk I got uh, from this antique mall because I love antiquing and thrift stores so much. But um, uh, this desk that was made in the 40s in Dallas uh, and um, a little section for any potential guests to set their stuff down and, you know, kind of chill out. And, like, DVDs of shows we've worked on and um, and artwork and all that stuff. And that's all in one room. So what used to take up half of our house is not really taking up anything now. And it's quieter. And my God, being able to watch something. Uh, the Like we had to do all these little tricks to get just these tiny little things done. And now how, uh, I've been doing voiceover for, um, as of April, uh, 11 years stuff has just become so simple now. Um, the beauty of technology. Oh, I mean, there are even projects that I've been a part of that, you know, well across the world and, you know, 
Belgium and uh, Belgium is one of uh, my big ones uh, where I never have to go to Belgium. I can do it through Source Connect or, you know, Skype sometimes. And technology's fun. Now you'll wonder uh, if you do have a guest recommendation or wish, please do tell me through, hmm, however you want. But for now, we can go with Obscure Chatters. Twitter, which is at Obscure Chatter, and um, have a recommendation for someone that isn't local, but I'm always going to prefer. And it's the same thing with that anime show. And they're like, when are you going to get so-and-so on or so-and-so on? I'm like, they're, they live in New York and they never come to Texas. So never. But of course, the producer answer is, oh, you know, that would be cool. We'll have to look into that. That's a lie. <laughs> um, and uh, it doesn't have to be anime. That's the big thing is in the past 11 years, specifically in the last five since the show has ended, I have met some amazing creatives um, outside of this. I mean, I still consider myself an actor and I do uh, outside of voiceover um, and do get to do a bunch of stuff. Sometimes I even still get to do stand up, which is always that's how I initially started in high school was I would go to talent shows or open mics and um, just work on my sets and, you know, make really topical jokes about, you know, Samuel L. Jackson and the Deep Blue Sea, which is uh, in Deep Blue Sea, in the Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea, it's an amazing movie about smart sharks, which are also great sharks, but they're not land sharks. I'm sorry, Stephen. And yeah, it's just kind of cool to meet all of these people, especially if they're local. But because I've been doing the writing thing, I've also just met a lot of authors through um, my test reading process for the book and uh, other just um, authors that have asked me to narrate their books. And uh, I also like to go to book conventions. I read a lot of YA now. So be like, hey, I'm a fan of this. I'm a fan of you. Like, oh, cool. That's weird. So I want to talk to a bit of everybody. There are some great local filmmakers, writers, painters, singers, just all-around artists. And I will definitely likely favor people that are in the voiceover world. But that doesn't mean that you can't throw someone my way that might not necessarily come to mind for me. And I really want this to feel... To have that same vibe of that anime show where I want you to feel like you can ask me something and um, that you're a part of the conversation. So if there's any or if there's anything um, that you think we should check out um, as far as in terms of guests or heck, even potential movies, if you're cool with me editing out the suggestion later on, I'm down. Who knows? And Nothing's off limits. I think I have covered most of everything. I really do um, hope that you guys enjoy this. The idea of the show, it's pure of heart. Um, Really trying to have some interesting conversations that aren't necessarily only about work and what we do, but the people behind the stuff that you love. And I think that This has got a lot of potential, but that's up to you guys. 
and obviously the first show, uh, it does have me alone. If you're a fan of the solo tracks, be sure to let me know and I can do other episodes down the line. But also, yes, my first guest is going to be the lovely and talented all-around weird guy, Stephen Hoff. And we're going to cover which we kind of talked about a little bit. Um, and it doesn't matter because it's been edited out. And uh, please get used to that. Oh, gosh, I'm so curious as to what we come up with as far as sound effects. Or if we just get really lazy and just go boop, boop, boop. What if, <laughs> what if I just sat here like silent throughout the credits? <laughs> read the you know, read the credits and just beep it all out. <laughs> God, that would be so frustrating. There's a oh, this is or I think this is funny, ha, huh? and just being a dick. That seems like such a dick move. <laughs> but um yes, we we are going to talk about so many things, and that's the beauty of editing this stuff out. If you have a suggestion, you're like, oh, know if you can do that it doesn't matter because we're editing it out guys so if you want to talk about a bunch of properties as long as we edit the fuck out of that episode i'm in no way worried um but you know for every like big blockbuster movie there's that one and that's another thing i want to be surprised by with people that i don't particularly know all that well but i do want to interview there's some fantastic uh, filmmaker, uh, there's a fantastic filmmaker that I don't know all that well, but anytime I talk to him, I always leave like the conversations feeling lighter and airy, but I have no frame for what his loves are as far as film. For him being a filmmaker, I have no idea what his point of view is. So I know when I ask him, hey, okay, we're ready. Give me five films. I know no matter what, I'm not going to expect it. That's pretty exciting. Um, for me, uh, yeah, and that's always a really funny thing whenever someone's like, hey, you know, like, can you recommend like a horror movie? I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Because I am the dick that asks follow-ups. Uh, like, uh, well, that's, that's a really big deal with anime. Like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about getting into anime. Can you recommend some? I'm like, well, being that anime is a medium, not a genre, uh, can you tell me... Uh, and I, I guess maybe it's from reading High Fidelity and loving the movie. Uh, the book is fantastic as well. Um, but, uh, oh God, I just became that pretentious asshole, didn't I? <laughs> Sorry. Both are great. Um, and I have a really big soft spot for John Cusack. Old John Cusack. Uh, older. The newer ones, meh, like I think the last John Cusack movie that I was like, oh, fuck yeah, was like 1408. Um, and then a little bit before that, there was Identity, and I think High Fidelity came before that. But, um, I do the top five shit all the time. So, if you ask me for a recommendation, let's say anime, um, I do ask, like, okay, so I don't know what you want to watch, so... Uh, cause saying anime is like saying, Hey, I'd like TV. Can you recommend some TV? Like, no, I can't. Cause I have no idea what you want. You would like, but if you say you like anime and, um, or you would like to watch some anime, I'm like, okay, give me your top five favorite films or, and, or television shows of all time. 
get back to me. And through those recommendations, I can throw you recommend, or through those lists, I can throw you recommendations of at least 10 things. And yeah, that, that's, uh, that's how it's come about. And here we are doing obscure chatter. You guys, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing where this show goes. I hope you are too, and I hope you enjoyed listening or at least powered through it. Maybe you got dishes done. Maybe you got your house clean. Maybe the baby's asleep. Maybe I put you to sleep. Who knows? Uh, but thank you so much for listening. I'm really looking forward to see where the, seeing where this show goes. I've uh, missed you all greatly. I'm happy to be back, and... Hear from me next time. See you next time. Blah, 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 blah. Bye.